Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, Agency Owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with David Rendell of The Freak Factor. And David, for the last 15 years, has spoken to audiences on every inhabited continent. His clients include the U.S. Air Force, Australian government, and Fortune 500 companies such as Microsoft, AT&T, United Health Group, Fannie Mae, State Farm, and many, many more. He's the author of four different books, The Four Factors of Effective Leadership, The Freak Factor, The Freak Factor for Kids, which I've actually gotten for, for my kids. It's a great book to read as a family, as well as Pink Goldfish. Welcome to the program, David. Great to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here. So you uh, you do a lot of uh, talks and and you, you share a lot of content around how to help people get, you know, more happiness, fulfillment, energy, kind of alignment in what they're doing in their in their world. What I'd love to understand from you as we kind of kick off today's show is, is how did that that start, right? What got you into, into the platform that you've now created? Yeah, I mean, I had no idea there was a platform and I definitely didn't really choose the topic. The, the freak factor story, you know, in summary is I was always in trouble because I couldn't sit still and be quiet and do what I was told. And now I'm a speaker who gets paid to stand up, not to sit down, talk and not be quiet and run my own business, not to do what other people tell me to do. So it wasn't like, and I didn't know speaking was a thing, right? So that's why when I was a kid, I was never like, F you, I'll just be a speaker. Like, I was just like, (laughs) you think I'm going to fail? I guess I am. I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I just stumbled into speaking, first of all. Um, I didn't know it was a thing. I was just doing my job, helping people with disabilities to get jobs and I was helping out in the local community and on the board at the Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, you have to speak at the banquet. And they asked me to help with the leadership program. And I was studying leadership at the time. And then somebody saw me speak and referred me to some national association of court-appointed special advocates, something you wouldn't even know was a thing. And they apologized for paying me $900, you know, for an hour and a half. And I was like, well, $600 an hour is better than I've ever made. And so I found out speaking was a thing, but at that point, I still didn't have the freak factor topic. So it was just a realization one day. I realized, wait a second, when I'm doing these, you know, free volunteer talks, I'm loving it. And the people are loving it. They're having more fun than they usually have at the Chamber of Commerce banquet. You know, Um, you know, I wonder if my weaknesses, I wasn't thinking about anybody else at the time. I wonder if my weaknesses are also strengths. I wonder if my biggest weakness Um, is my biggest strength. And so I just had that idea. And then I started, you know, seeing examples of billionaires with dyslexia and autistic uh, software testers and um, all sorts of things. And I just started, you know, writing the stories down. That's what became the book, designed an assessment so people could see how their weaknesses were strengths. 
And all, it's really just been driven by the response of other people. We were joking before this talk that I don't have a good marketing tag um, and I'm not really that kind of person. Like none of this was genius. I mean, even the kids book, you know why there's a kids book is because I do this talk for entrepreneurs, for managers. And so the person hiring me is always like, these people need business value. These people are trying to drive business. People, people are trying to improve their businesses. And so I do the whole talk, you know, 100% business. And every comment I would get after is like, that was great, Dave. I got this kid with ADHD. That was great. I got this kid with dyslexia. That was great. I got this kid with autism. You know, what do you have for them? And I'm like, I don't know, show them a video of the talk. I don't know. So even that wasn't like me, like going, I want to have a line extension of my brand. You know, it was just me saying, hey, people seem to care about their families maybe even more than their businesses, certainly just as much as their businesses. And this idea is certainly relevant to kids. So that's gotten me in front of teachers and administrators, the entrepreneurs who hire me to speak at uh, like entrepreneurs organization events almost always say, can we make it a spouse event? Can we make it a, a, a family event and have the kids involved? Um, so it really just was an evolution of my personal you know, story um, and seeing that my story was relevant to other people and that it was meaningful to other people. And it just keeps, keeps growing and growing. It's such a common thing to think about our our weaknesses as things that we have to fix. And and one of the things I just love about your platform is that you're you're saying, well wait, there's, you know, every weakness has an opposite strength. And so maybe we identify our weaknesses not to necessarily fix them, but to maybe identify what is our strength and then find things that align around our strengths instead of fixing our weaknesses, which I which I feel like is something that's very counter to the culture that we all grow up in. You, you gave the story of, of, you know, people always wanted you to sit down. Now you professionally stand up, right? I mean, yeah. I think that a lot of people are suffering. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs maybe are entrepreneurs because they didn't feel like they fit into that box. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit more about that, right? How can we help our listeners understand that idea a little bit better? Well, I think we'll walk through the process. So the process starts with what you said is first of all, you know, A, you know, we call it I call it awakening, seeing that the current system isn't working or it's not working for you, right? So you struggled in school or you're getting a lot of negative feedback from the people around you, but you have a sense that you have something to offer. Um, that's part of what some entrepreneurs have done, right? I'm going to reject that, get a good job, go to a good school narrative. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing. You know, I read something once that I like as an entrepreneur myself as well. You know, entrepreneurs aren't better than people with jobs. We're unemployable. Right. It's it's not that we, you know, chose a better path, it's the other path wasn't even available in some ways. So I think the first part is just seeing that the current system isn't working, that fixing weaknesses doesn't work. Um, it, it, it's not effective. You're not going to make everybody happy. You're not going to completely change and you don't need to fundamentally change who you are. The second step is to assess yourself and to, you know, to see how your weaknesses and strengths might be connected to know what those strengths and weaknesses are. You know, we can't really do anything until we know what those strengths and weaknesses are. Unfortunately, people are all too happy to tell us about our weaknesses. So if we can learn that our weaknesses are also strengths, then as people bring our weaknesses to us, our family members, our friends, our employees, we can find and see the corresponding um, strengths. And then it's like you said, it's acceptance. It's not trying to fix it. It's not trying to change it. It's accepting that that's who we are. 
And then the next one is appreciation, to appreciate that, to actually be excited about it. You know, I, I gave the example in my speech of Paul Orfila. He ran Kinko's, sold it for $2.4 billion, built a multinational empire, and he can't read and write. He has dyslexia. And one of his quotes is, I think everyone should have dyslexia, right? That's not just acceptance, that's appreciation, right? Mm. Like your life would be better if you were broken like me, right? That's appreciation. So uh, we move through that process of seeing ourselves differently. And then we move into the stuff that you were talking about, which is alignment. Now we behave differently. We see ourselves differently than we behave differently. We see others differently than we behave differently. So we look for opportunities for alignment. Like you said, I try to find a place that fits me instead of me trying to fit in and fit that place. We amplify who we are. Because if you were excited about it, if you really did appreciate it, you would literally turn up the volume. You would become more. Whereas life, like you said, back to what you said, the advice we get is moderate, reduce, eliminate, mm. right? At the, at the, you know, moderate feels good when other people are telling us to eliminate that characteristic. But at the very least, people are telling us, you know, I'll, I like it, Brent, but just, just dial it back a little bit, you know? And it sounds so reasonable. I, right? I get I get that a lot. I get I get the dial it back a lot. I think I I yeah. bring uh I mean I've struggled with this, right? I, I have like a lot of quick start energy, right? As an entrepreneur. I get I get focused on something and it becomes like an obsession and everything kind of falls away. Even things that maybe I'm still you know, I need to finish this other thing over here. I mean, what I've kind of found is I need to find other people to finish my stuff. And then, you know, I need to basically lean into that strength of like when I get that that obsessive energy that goes towards a new strategy or new idea, right? Like I can bring the energy to get something off the ground, but then like, you know, I, I can get the rocket out of orbit and then I need to like throw somebody else in the driver's seat to get the get the rocket to the moon, right? Oh, you totally, you totally nailed it, right? So that takes us all the way back to that takes us all the way back to awakening again, right? People are telling you, ah, you just need to dial it back. And awakening says, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't need to dial it back. In fact, I need to turn it up. And I love the way you framed it because that's part of acceptance and appreciation. If you can't frame the uniqueness, the weakness in a positive way, you can't do any of the other things. So calling it quick start energy is different than I don't finish things, or I'm not a manager, or I'm not great at maintaining things in the long term, or I don't have good focus, right? Saying I have quick start energy, you can align with that. And you can say, how can I have more quick start energy? And what are situations that reward somebody for having that? And I love what you said, because you jumped to the end of the A's, which is affiliation. We partner with people who are strong, we're weak. There's plenty of people who can manage ongoing enterprises. There's plenty of people who can finish projects once somebody starts them. There's plenty of people who can execute other people's ideas, but they don't have those ideas and they can't get something out of orbit, right? They can't get something into the orbit, but there's plenty of people who can manage because the orbit's like, it's just going to keep happening yeah. until you end the orbit, right? And there's, there's that maintenance. Some people love to manage. They love to maintain. They love to systematize. They love to standardize. And that's no lesser of a thing. Tons of entrepreneurs need a good operations manager. They need a good COO. They need a good uh, person for execution, right? Um, so that doesn't minimize that, but it doesn't have to be you. And I think that's the other mistake entrepreneurs make. You brought this up earlier. I think one of the mistakes they make midway is, okay, I'm an entrepreneur because I'm sort of rejecting the traditional way of working in organizations and working for other people. But then I build a business 
that turns out to be a bad job for me. I'm the CEO. I have to do all the things no one else wants to do. I have to do things that don't fit with my strengths. I feel like I have to be an adult. I feel like I have to be a professional. I feel like I have to put on a suit. I feel like I need to get excited about Excel spreadsheets. And then I beat myself up when I don't make that transition instead of saying what you just said. Maybe you're the kind of person who loves to start things and then you love to start more things. So don't create... You know, one of the mistakes that entrepreneurs make is they build a business that becomes a job they don't want to have, but they feel tied to it because it's theirs and they feel like it's their failing if they're not everything the organization needs at every stage of the process and rarely is anyone that kind of a person. And so that goes to affiliation again. How do you find those people who can do that for you and then you go back to doing those things that you do well and then that fills in the last day, which is avoidance. One of the best ways to find alignment is to make sure we're staying away from the things that aren't alignment, the things that don't fit, that we give ourselves permission to not do things. I was just doing teaching yesterday, um, teaching some people some graduate school stuff on organizational development. And this guy was like, I'm no fun, you know, but I know my people need fun. So I created the Sunshine Committee and I gave somebody the Sunshine Committee chairperson title. And for 10 years, I've delegated fun, right? And that's everything, <laughs> right? I'm no fun. I'm no fun, but I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm not going to fix it. So I affiliate, I find somebody who is, and I let everybody know. Like he says out loud, he's not like, I could be better or I'm working on it. He's just like, no fun. He's like, he didn't say I'm not a lot of fun. He's like, <laughs> I'm just not fun. But I know other people need that. I'm smart enough to know that. And so I just delegate it, Right. So, so that's how we go about it. And that's what the book does. That's what the talk does. We walk people through the four steps of thinking differently, the four steps of behaving differently. And then if you're applying that to a kid, you go through the process, you're applying that in your, your relationship. You, 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 you have a difficult employee, you're struggling with your own approach to your life and your career. You walk through those processes, you assess, you accept, you appreciate. Because again, if you can't do the early steps, if you can't appreciate it, like Sometimes people just come up to me and they're like, I've got this employee who really sucks. You know, what should I do? And this is right after they heard my talk. And I'm like, what's the upside? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, if we can't get there, you know, but I had a great example the other day. A guy runs an IT company and he had an employee and they moved him to a different role that required him to be something he wasn't. They were constantly frustrated that he couldn't do it. And instead of trying to fix him, instead of being upset, they just let him do more of the stuff that he was doing well. And they took away from him the stuff that he didn't do well. Now he's super happy. They're super happy. And they just recognized he's good at this because he can't do that. That's not the same person. And that's the other thing entrepreneurs do, right? We create job descriptions that don't match any actual human beings. You know, my favorite is when somebody has somebody who does part-time accounting and part-time HR. You know, it's like, whoa, if there were ever two different people, right, it's accounting and HR, right? Now, what it happens is it's the HR, it's the benefits, the payroll, those kind of things. So that's what you get. You see somebody who isn't really HR, they're accounting related to the humans that you have, right? So then you end up with somebody who's no fun, right? You end up with somebody who's not 
doing human resources. They're doing payroll management, benefits management. They're an administrator because you didn't hire an HR person. So that's yeah. the other thing we have to watch out for is we like to think, well, that's just the job. I can't adjust to everybody. They just need to do what's required. And it's like, but you made up that job description. And, and is it really something that an actual human being can do? I mean, I grew up in church and I'd go to these small churches, especially, and they'd want the pastor to be an amazing Martin Luther King Jr. behind the pulpit, right? And also maybe be able to do some music. His wife definitely had to play the piano, but he's also supposed to be compassionate by your bedside at the hospital, but he's also supposed to be able to balance the budget. He's also supposed to be able to manage the organization's strategy. And the reality is very few people can do all of those things well. And so the person would always end up failing and people would be like, well, we just got to find a better one. Um, and there wasn't a better one because that's not a person and what a lot of bigger churches at least do these days that have almost become, you know, organizations, corporations is they have people to do those different roles, just like a traditional organization, because they recognize there's no one person like that. And if you've got a Martin Luther King Jr. style speaker, just put them up front and have other people do the other stuff. So I think that's another part of it as well, making sure that our roles fit, you know, what actual human beings can do. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. I know because this that exact question of the fixing the team member, the team member's weaknesses, right? It came up during you summit. I, I remember the the, the member of ours oh, yeah, the, asked question the question at the end. Well, it, it was, <laughs> and I gave I give such an unsatisfying answer, right? Like you're not going to yeah. change them, you're not going to fix them. So if you can't <laughs> accept it and appreciate it, and that's fair too. If you can't accept it and appreciate it, then it's just not going to work out. But we're just still stuck at no. But I'm going to change them, and it's like no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah, I mean, is there? And I, I not to resign ourselves, but I, I love the A of acceptance. Of saying, okay, I mean, if 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 it's just a matter of getting a team member up to speed on your way of doing business and it's within their strengths, it's within their capabilities of doing it, and they just don't know about it yet, that's kind of one thing. But if you're finding, like what I heard from you is if you find yourself having that same conversation with your team member or with yourself, like, you know, why can't I just, you know, do these reports or whatever, right? I mean, if, that's, if and so that's what to remember, right? We're doing it to other people when we have the same thing. Why can I put, you know, like you said, put obsessive hours into this project that I'm passionate about, but I can't put four and a half minutes into sending this invoice that's been waiting for two weeks. And it's yeah. like, yeah, but you can't. And so why don't you accept that at some point and leave somebody else in charge of that? So that's a great point. We feel like we should just be able to make what seems like a little tweak, but if it was a little tweak, we wouldn't have been fighting with it 15 years later, right? So, so as part of the awakening process and, and that that kind of awareness, is it looking at things that are because I mean as a, as humans and, and you're a Ironman athlete, right? You you can take on new habits, you could form new habits, and, and I think it's any any insight in terms of when it's 
just it's a fixable thing that we just need to adopt a new habit and we need to learn something new and, and yeah, incorporate I mean, that I think we versus need like to experiment. We need to try new things. We need to learn about ourselves, but that goes back to assessment, self-awareness. Mm. So you're putting Iron Man out there as something that I like changed myself. But remember, I was always in trouble at school for being hyperactive. So mm. when I was a kid, this is crucial. When I was a kid, I got criticized and punished for being hyperactive. Then I got way more active and started doing Ironman triathlons. And people were like, wow, that's amazing, right? <laughs> Praised and rewarded as an adult for the same thing that I got criticized and punished for my entire life. I'm not a new person. I just have an outlet. And then that's alignment. I found a situation that rewards me for being hyperactive. And in fact, not hyperactive. I mean, I finished one of my Ironmans in like 2000th place out of 2,200 people right? Those people are like, dude, get more active, right? And so mm. that's the other part of affiliation. It's not just partner with people who are strong where you're weak. It's also find people who are weird like you, who can push you to be more of who you are, give you permission to amplify. We need to have enough people around us who are similar to not feel like we constantly have to moderate, reduce, and eliminate who we are from our lives. And when you show up at an Ironman, no one's like, geez, why don't you have a cookie? Oh man, why don't you take off the spandex? You got people going, is that all you've got? You don't have a six pack yet? You weigh five pounds more than I do? Oh, you can't do it in 12 hours? Oh, your bike only costs $14,000, right? So you can put yourself in those situations, but I think that's fundamentally, we think people change in really big ways and they actually rarely do they find outlets for becoming more of who they are, or they end up in the wrong situation and it gradually eats away and erodes um, their happiness and their fulfillment. Mm. So, so talking about partner with people stronger or weak, thinking about, you know, the two biggest partnerships that I see in people's lives are business partnerships and marriage. Should we be looking for a business partner that's strong or weak or a, or a spouse a uh, husband or wife or, or partner that's strong or weak, or should we be looking for people that are uh, or are more aligned with who we are, right? That are more similar to who we are. No, in, in in business, especially partner with someone who's strong where you're weak, right? You're the you're the idea guy, and you hire somebody who can execute, right? Or you know you're the detail oriented execution person. And you know you need someone who can drive the vision. You need someone who's inspiring, someone who's charismatic, someone who's the face of the organization. Bill Gates is a great example of that. He always had a rah rah. Look at Steve Ballmer. I mean, he's literally been portrayed on TV almost as like nuts. And the way he promotes uh, Microsoft back in the day and now promotes his team, the LA Clippers, Bill Gates is a behind the scenes operation execution, nerd, geek, whatever. And one way to approach that is I need to go to seminars and learn how to be more inspirational and cast a vision and inspire people. And another way is just to have a partner who can do those things. And Steve Ballmer is certainly no Bill Gates on the other side of it. So they're very, very different people. And that that combination creates strength in the organization. So definitely in organizations, but also in in marriage. I mean, we need a certain amount of similarity related to values or goals or whatever it happens to be. You need some kind of connection, 
But in certain aspects of your life, it's really helpful to have a partner who's strong where you're weak. You know, even 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 in your life, someone who's really good at the details and you're really good at the big picture, someone who's the good cop and someone who's the bad cop, someone who's really nurturing and someone else um, who's who's really good at holding people accountable and pushing them to a higher standard, because that gives your family a strength that they wouldn't have by having parents who are the same and and sort of one dimensional. It also shows kids two different perspectives. Kids have a chance to connect with the parent that's the most similar to them, but also to see um, that that partnership at work and to see that people aren't always going to agree and they're not the same, but there's strength in that. I mean, one of the pieces of parenting advice that I've really learned to disagree with, I have three daughters, they're 20, 18, and 15. And so I'm not done, but I mean, I certainly have two kids in college. And so I know a little bit about this. And they'll say things like, as parents, you have to be a unified front. You have to be on the same team. Uh, you have to put forward, you know, sort of the same the, the same image. And I completely disagree with that. Kids should know that you disagree. Kids should know that you're not on the same page all the time. Kids should know that marriage isn't about being 100% on the same page. Kids should know that there's two ways to see just about anything, any request that the child has or, or any way of, of acting in the world. And so... I don't think you have to be antagonistic about it, but I don't think it's wrong for kids to know. I mean, my kids certainly do, even if we tried to hide it for a long time. You know, <laughs> my daughter said once when she was like only five, you know, if you ask dad, he's probably going to say yes. <laughs> if you ask mom, she's probably going to say no. Um, and again, to anything, right? You know, ask mom, can I have a healthy snack? No, you don't need to eat anything right now. <laughs> Like, it's not even just, it's not if you ask mom to break the law, she's going to say no. Mom's default is probably not. And my default is, I don't see why not, right? That's the way we come at things. And so sometimes you get dads, sometimes you get moms. And together, that means our kids maybe get to try some things they wouldn't have otherwise been able to try. But also, they're not total totally out of control because she sets some limits that maybe I'm not smart enough to set or I can't, you know, picture what the problem would be. And that's a great example of opposites. In my new assessment that I designed called Amplify, um, I give names to these strength-weakness combinations. And my one of my highest uh, strength-weakness combinations is called Revolutionary Rebel, right? Revolutionary Rebel. And so the strength of that is you know, that I that I don't follow the rules. I'm a nonconformist. The problem with that is I don't follow the rules. I'm a nonconformist, right? And my wife, when she took the assessment, she's what I call a conservative defender, right? She wants to keep things the same, maintain the status quo, follow the rules. Things are the way they are because they're probably supposed to be that way. And the assumption is that the way things are probably should be the way that things continue to be. She's definitely a rule follower. She follows the rules. She wants you to follow the rules. She believes there's rules that don't actually even exist. And so we're very, very different in that way. Um, and I think that's part of marriage as well. I mean, you talked earlier about acceptance and you said, you know, it shouldn't really be resignation. And I think you're right about that. And I think that's a misunderstanding of the word acceptance, right? To accept something is to acknowledge the reality of it, right? I'm on the second floor of my house right now. I'm not going to jump out of the window because I accept the reality of gravity. I'm not compromising with gravity. I'm not resigned to gravity. It's simply that gravity exists and has an actual impact, right? Especially if I jump out the second floor, a physical impact 
on my life. And so I think part of accepting the other person is accepting that they are who they are. They're probably not going to change and they don't need to anyway because their characteristic is a weakness and a strength at the same time. It's good and it's bad. There's an upside and there's a downside. And when it's complementary to yours, now you're stronger together than you would be separately because you've got it all covered, but you're each covering a different part um, of the relationship covering a different part of the parenting, for example. I mean, I'll give you an example. My wife is definitely overly anxious. She would say the same thing. She's always nervous and upset about things that most of the time turn out not to be issues. I'm much more relaxed and laid back about those kinds of things. I have a lot more confidence and optimism maybe is the best way to say it. But when my daughter was really little, my wife was convinced that something was wrong with her eyes. He's like, I think something's wrong with her eyes. I think we need to take her to the doctor. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. She's fine. There's no problem. You're overreacting. Um, and she took her to the doctor. And she, sure enough, she had something wrong with her eye. It's called strabismus. I think it's also known as lazy eye. Um, and at two years old, she had to get glasses. Um, and as she got older, she was able to tell us like, yeah, I was seeing double. And if if we wouldn't have corrected it at that point, she would have struggled to learn things because she couldn't see well. She would have struggled with balance and flexibility and motor coordination. And I didn't see it and I wasn't concerned about it and I didn't notice it. Now, that's the one side. That's the upside. The other side is my wife has taken my kids to the doctor 27 times and 26 of the times nothing was wrong, right? <laughs> so she overcorrects in the one direction, but I'm also undercorrecting. Um, and so together we were able to fix my daughter's eye problem. But instead of telling my wife, don't worry about it, I go, you know what? You might be onto something. Why don't you get it checked out? It certainly doesn't hurt to go try, right? And so that's part of acceptance and then really appreciation. I really appreciate that I had a partner who was more attentive to those kinds of things than I was. And she saw something because in a sense, she's looking for it. She wakes up every day and is looking for things to be bad, right? I'll tell her some good news and she'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, and I'm like, I don't understand what's happening right now. But she finds like the negative and, and the positive news that I'm sharing with her. So again, instead of trying to change that, I've accepted it. And then I can tell you a story about how it's valuable in our relationship to be with somebody who has that perspective. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. I, I, I hope... Uh, I know we'll talk about your assessment later. I know I've got, I think I have homework tonight. I'm going to go do my, do, go do your assessment. My wife will do your assessment. I know assessment. I sent you, I sent you a, I sent you a, yeah. a free beta version of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at E2MSolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. David, this has been awesome, man. I... I love this topic. I, I think more people need to hear your message. It's obviously why we've got you on our show today. We've got your, you know, you were one of our speakers at U-Summit. I, I just, I love this topic. I love your platform and I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough to share with my family and my kids. And I think it's something that everybody should learn and and become more aware of. Are you ready for our uh, our lightning round? Yeah, hit me. All right. What's the best advice you've ever received? 
I was a resident. I, w- I was I was in college. I was a sophomore. I had still always been told you need to sit still, be quiet, and do what you're told if you're going to be successful. And I was walking down the hall of the residence hall, the men's dorm, and the resident director walked out and he asked me if I was going to be applying to be a resident assistant for the next year, you know, to be a student, you know, leader in the dorm. And I was like, you know, no, I'm the reason you have resident assistants, right? And he said something that changed my life and ultimately turned into the freak factor. I didn't know it at the time, but it was the first seed. Um, and he said, no, 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 Dave. He said, everything that, that people tell you is wrong with you, I see as leadership skills. And I see a lot of myself in you. And he certainly had seen how his weaknesses were strengths. And he said, so I want you to think about it differently. And I'd love to have you on the team. And so I read my first leadership books, my first self-help books. I had somebody who believed in me for the first time so I could start believing in myself. And starting in that moment, I didn't realize all the significance of all of those pieces at the time, but everything changed at that moment. The first time somebody told me that that my weaknesses, that the negative qualities that other people saw in me might be strengths. Um, and so I think that's, that. you know, I don't know that it's advice in the traditional sense, but somebody who completely changed my vision of who I was and and and, and what I could accomplish. If you want to just straight up advice, my dad always told me, and he's very different from me, he always told me, control the things you can control. And that's been something that I remember um, all the time. Last year or two years ago during the pandemic, you know, my business imploded. I'm a traveling speaker. You know, I lost 10 speeches just in March of 2020 and everything just, you know, just continued to cascade and fall apart after that. And nobody was booking speeches. Nobody was doing the speeches they'd already hired me for. And no one was uh, no one was seeing me speak, so no one was contacting me about speeches. And um, you know, I had a meltdown. I was at a hotel in the Bahamas when everything started imploding. I was speaking at an event down there, and it was my last event for like six months. And um, I had a little bit of a meltdown that night. And um, then I got home the next day, and I was like, "All right." Let's take a look at everything we spend money on and see what we can eliminate. Let's, you know, I literally called the cable company and they were like, oh yeah, call this number and we can reduce your bill by half and uh, we can give you some free Sunday ticket. And, uh, you know, I just started, you know, cutting things, telling the girls we weren't going to eat out. This is when you could still go to restaurants. And I cut my own hair. I just shaved my head bald um, because I wasn't going to spend money on a haircut. And that's what gave me some sanity. I mean, the world was crashing down around me. We didn't know what was going to happen with the pandemic. But my mantra was, there's a lot of things I can't control right now, which really felt like everything. And um, But there's a lot of things I can. I ran my first 100-mile race uh, virtually uh, during the pandemic because there was nothing else to do and I was already trained for it. Um, and so I set that up for myself. So that's been really valuable advice for me. Control the things you can control. Don't focus on what you can't do anything about because you can't do anything about it. Take a look at what can you do something about. And that's how to maintain your sanity in very difficult situations. Love it. Love the advice. What's uh, Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Reading. Um, I'm a voracious reader. I listened to books on tape from the library when I was too poor to buy them myself. And then when they meant to CDs, I started with CDs. And then um, I went to Audible way before they were on Amazon, um, connected with Amazon. And uh, right now I have 470 books that I've read in my Audible library. And just that 
and now podcasts, you added on top of that. So just learning, constant learning, constant growth, constant uh, mental uh, development, expanding my mind, listening to things, you know, that I otherwise would never be exposed to. You know, I have a doctorate, I have the formal education, um, but I had that by the time I was 30, I'm 48 now, and I've, I've probably learned more in the last 18 years than I did in the first 30. And so that's a habit that I think has served me very, very well. And especially as a communicator, if you're not learning anything, you don't have anything to say. Um, so I'm constantly um, learning new things, and that gives me more and more that I can share with other people. Can you share a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? Oh, let me uh, pull up the phone here. I'm probably not very uh, technologically uh, advanced. I mean, I use my phone and I'm not a Luddite by any stretch. But I mean, I use social media. The one that I use the most is my Audible app um, and my podcast app. Uh, Those are the ones that I spend the most time on. So um, if you're not doing that, if you're not listening to podcasts, if you don't have Audible, um, I'd say go get it. But that's that's where I'm spending most of my, at least productively. I mean, nobody needs us to tell them to go TikTok and um, Instagram. <laughs> go watch some dance videos today. And uh, well, that's the thing though. I mean, I think TikTok has a bad name and I didn't download it until a month ago. I mean, I was really late to it and I wasn't against it. I just didn't see it. You learn, you can learn all sorts of amazing things. I mean, there's people who do home inspections on TikTok. You know, my wife worries that I'm looking at girls on TikTok and I'm not. The TikTok has actually figured out that I'm a sucker for uh, cute little kids, that their parents have them say funny things um, and they do goofy stuff. Uh, I'm just a softie. So, um, but I mean, there's actually TikToks for learning Excel tips uh, to make you better on Microsoft Excel. And, you know, there's all sorts of things. So, uh, you know, I don't think we need to tell people that, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Audible, Audible and podcasts. I, I And I use those, I'll be honest, I use Audible and I use podcasts uh, way more than I use social media. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, when I'm walking, when I'm driving, when I'm riding, when I'm working out, I'm constantly listening to something. And I, and I think it's a, and it's also way better for your mental state than listening to news, you know, other kinds of things where, again, you're being bombarded with stuff you can't control. Um, instead of you saying, I want to listen to a book about how to be a better parent. I want to listen to a podcast about how to be a better spouse. I want to listen to an audiobook about how to be a better manager instead of I want to hear about problems in the world I can't do anything about. Um, so I think it's a way to take control of your life and your mind um, and what you're consuming instead of, of leaving that up to other people. As a voracious reader, I'm excited for this next question. Uh, what book would you recommend and why? I mean, obviously, you got to read all of my books. Um, the one that changed my life um, was and the one I was reading when I sort of had my freak factor epiphany was now discover your strengths. If you haven't heard of positive psychology, if you haven't heard of the strengths revolution, if you don't understand that you shouldn't fix your weaknesses and you should build on your strengths instead, that's the place to start an amazing book. If you feel like you have any sort of issues with mental health or learning differences Um, or you have a spouse or a child with learning differences or mental health issues is called The Power of Different um, by Gail Saltz. She goes through every single category from the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. That's the manual psychologists use to identify psychological disorders. She goes through every major category of psychological disorder 
And she tells amazing stories about people who have that difference, she calls it, instead of a disorder, and how productive and effective their lives are because of the disorder. She tells you about famous people that you've heard of who also have that difference, that disorder. And then she has a whole section called the gifts of you know, fill in the blank. And she talks to you about the upside. So that book has been hugely influential. It's been a huge resource. Um, and part of the assessment that I created um, using that has um, a section for, you know, if you've got ADHD, these are the weaknesses, but these are probably the strengths. If you're anxious, these are the weaknesses, but these are probably the strengths. If you have depression, these are the weaknesses, but these are probably the strengths. And so I think it gives people hope. It gives people role models and it gives people a balanced picture of who they are and defines them as unique instead of just defining them as broken. David, I'm going to link out to the power of different as well as now discover your strengths and audible in our show notes at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're listening along and you'd like to check out those books, if you'd like to check out David's books, uh, you can do that at our show notes, yougurus.com slash podcast. And David, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, easy. It's just drendel.com. So you see my name on the screen, David Rendell. So it's just my first initial and my last name, drendel.com. Uh, there's the, the kids book is a free video on there. There's a short version of my keynote on there. There's links to all the books. There's free uh, links to all the assessments, the kids assessment, the assessment for regular folks. Yeah, everything's right there. Everything's free. And uh, it's you can sample uh, whatever you're interested in. Awesome. Well, we will link out to your website, drendel.com over at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. And, you know, I just want to give you a big thanks for being on the show today. Also for delivering such a fantastic keynote. I know you mentioned that you've got a, a snapshot of your keynote on your website. I just want to give a shout out. If anybody out there is running an event uh, in person or virtual, I highly recommend uh, David for your stage. Uh, fantastic speaker for our community. Just meant so much to so many of our uh, our members. We got uh, a lot of people told us that our virtual event in December was our best event ever. And dude, you opened it, you you started it, you kicked it off. And uh, all we got was glowing praise for our speakers, uh, the diversity of topics, the diversity of speakers. And, uh, and I just want to give you uh, big accolades for that and also recommend anybody that has a stage to reach out um, go to yougurus.com slash podcast, check out David's website, check out his book, check out his keynote trailer teaser, and uh, and definitely look more into your platform. So well, that's how bad of a marketer I am. It's just a 25-minute <laughs> version of a keynote I did for the Conscious Capitalism Conference. I just, I give it all away. It's all worked out for me. I don't have funnels. I don't have landing pages. I don't have any of that kind of stuff. I'm just... Uh, I'm just uh, either old school or naive, or I don't even know what it is, but I just put it out there. I figure I'm a speaker. If you like what you saw, you'll like me talking at your event. If you don't like the video, you won't like what I'm going to do at your event because I'm basically going to do exactly what you see on the screen there. So I think it's just a great way to, to share what I'm up to. Well, it seems like it's working out for you. Whether it's new school or old school, it's working. So uh, keep leaning into those strengths. And uh, yeah, David, thanks again for hanging out with us today. Thanks a lot. And... Uh, that is it for our uh, show this week. Thanks for listening to the Digital Agency Show. 
the digital agency show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency and achieve more freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook, the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.